This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast for Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers, joined in studio by the one and only Alex Ferrario and new contributor to the Last Minute Blues Podcast, none other than Mr. Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. JR, hey! what's going on, man? What's up? What's up, Donnie? What's up, Alex? I see Alex all the time. I don't see yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, man. He's done with me. He sees me in all the blues games. He's like, yeah, we'll talk later, man. Right. You guys are like the two friendly faces when I go to the press box that I know that I have someone to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, that I'm not completely and totally out of place. You are my friendly face. Alex, uh, I think uh, I've told Donnie this before, but the best is, so you're in media for 20 years and you're around the blues and you know, you're know you talking to Bernie Federico and, and and Alexander Steen and Bear Jackman, all these guys, and I'll tell some of my friends, yeah, I was at you know Bernie Federico's house the other day, and they're like, oh, really? That's cool. And then I'll say, oh, and I talked to Donnie Van Dyke. You talked to Donnie? Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. What's he like? How's he doing? Tell him he does a great job. I'll never Dude. forget it. It was the, my first year doing pre and post for the Blues, and I was at the game, and Jeff Burton showed up. He was yeah. sitting up in the press box, huge fan of the Riz show for the longest time, getting into radio. I was more nervous to talk to Jeff Burton than I was any of the those blues players in the locker room and it was amazing when i actually talked to him and he's like why were you nervous to talk to me I said i don't know man i listened to you all the damn time <laughs> dude the first time that i met jeff um he was he was he was totally rude to me <laughs> uh i i so there was a summer and i've talked about this on the podcast before not a summer but there was a year where I had friends that were selling one of those um, pregame programs outside or oh, doing yeah, a pregame times, but it was a it was a competitor to game time. Oh, okay. All right. So I was selling it at the corner of wherever, and I would get paid five dollars a game, and they get a game ticket. So there was one season that I went to forty Blues wow, home games. Wow. Like I think I did all but like two, and so like Jeff is coming over from Union Station. Hey, man. Oh, my name's Donnie. I do radio at Florissa Valley Community College. I would love to get into radio. And he was like, well, make sure you have a plan B. <laughs> I was like, well, well, well. Did you throw the documents on the ground and be like, son of a. Are you my dad? Like, what, like, what was that? But, like, it was, you know, man, it, it's, it's. Uh, I, I think back on those, on, on all those things, man, and, uh, you know, I think that all those things kind of helped get you here, man. I froze my ass off that winter <laughs> selling those things, man. It was, dude, I don't think I'd thaw out by the middle of the second period, <laughs> you know? going into an ice rink after being out <laughs> cold for five hours. Absolutely, absolutely. I used to do the giveaway. We had a group of people that handed out the freebie before the game, and that's how I got my ticket into the game. So if you stood there for an hour and you handed out whatever it was, not tumblers back then, whatever it was, but then, you know, you'd sit in section like 316 <laughs> up in the rafters at the old arena, and that's how I got in, and that's how. I kind of got to, to love hockey. Yeah, I just lived off my dad's wallet and went to the games when he got tickets. That's how I got in. And then I was a booth a assistant for Curb. So. Parents with season yeah. tickets. Yeah. I, I, I tell you, man, I just wish that I was old enough to have a better memory of the times that I went to the arena. Because I there was a, I mean, I went there a handful of times, but towards the end, I feel like I remember going there for a couple of slew games more uh, basketball games mm-hmm. more so than uh than than, than hockey uh, and the first time that I went there was 
to see the steamers, which was a huge thing at the time. But I, there was just something, you know, I think there's just something about those old arenas, old barns, man, that there was just, uh, you know, uh, yep. something to it that the Smoky. new buildings will never have. <laughs> yeah, uh, Smoky. Or, 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 or like all, I mean, it was just, I mean, I remember walking through the concourse and having something drip on my head. <laughs> and, and, and just going, what? I think it was cat piss. Yeah, it very much could have been. There is there is an, any number of things in which that, that could have been, as a matter God. of fact, man. So, gentlemen, I'm kind of glad that I didn't get the arena experience then. Dude, it was crazy. Was and great. I remember those, you remember like those stairs walking up to the ends <laughs> yeah. that felt like you were moving as you're walking on the stairs. Yeah, yeah. Dude, and then I remember a slew game, like, and it was the spoon hour days. All mm-hmm. right. So, way back. Old and they were fantastic. And I remember sitting in those, those ends and the place just rocking and going, you know, these seats could fall. <laughs> this, this, it just, you, I felt like I felt them moving. And you know now, Alex. You know where they have like the petting zoo is what it's called, Donnie downtown at uh, at Enterprise. Where... <laughs> I thought you were talking about in the arena. I'm like, yeah. there's a damn petting zoo in <laughs> <Wow>. there <laughs> at, at Enterprise, where the players come out of their <laughs> locker room. They kind of got that glassed-in bar area yeah. where people can wave to the players and maybe uh, bump fists with them. Well, back at the arena, I don't know if you remember, Donnie, but they actually when they came out of their locker room, there was a pretty long stretch where you were right up on top of the yeah. players, and it didn't matter where your seats were in the arena. You flocked to that area wow. and, and tried to wedge yourself in there to to hit the guy on the shoulder as he went out to the God, that's awesome. The idea of that petting zoo situation to me seems real suspect sometimes <laughs> because, and I don't remember what NFL game I was watching over the course of the weekend, but somebody gets hurt and they're walking back to the locker oh, yeah. room and there is some random fan that is just sitting there as this player is limping to the With locker the room. torn ACL. Dude, and like, the, 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 the per- and I'm sure the person is trying to say something nice, but I could just imagine as this player is limping back, wondering about their future. This chucklehead asking for an autograph. Or, <laughs> or, <laughs> right. or, or like, what's the worst thing you could say? Oh, what happened, man? You good? Right. There, there have been certain situations. So when I was the booth assistant, what it would be was at the end of a period or at the end of the game, you would go down and you would wait until the players walked off the ice. You'd get the headset, turn it on, tell Curbs who it was, give the player the headset. There were multiple occasions when I was down there that you'd be standing there and a player would come off who got injured or got tossed from the game, and they would just chuck their stick, and it would break into 15 pieces. I'll never forget Roman Polak was one of them, where he came off, and he just wailed his stick, and I was standing on the corner, and I'm like, oh, God. like, thank God there were no cameras there, because that would have been like, ah! <laughs> Right, right. Dude, that's wild, though, man. So, um, well, it's good to see that we're six, seven games into the Blues season, and the fan base is already freaking out about legitimately, <laughs> seemingly everything. Yeah. I'm not exactly, and that's the, the, one of the things I wanted to talk about, is, is that, like, I understand that you get frustrated that your team doesn't win all of the time or whatever, but one, we're really early in the year. We knew that this was going to be a transition-type year. Who's to say that this team still can't be good, but they're just kind of trying to get their footing right now? I don't don't understand why everybody is getting so gosh dang aggro so early in the year. I texted you, Donnie, yesterday, and I said, boy, do we have some stuff to talk about because I've got a rant to go on. i got a Donnie Fandango rant for you. I am amazed at how many people 
see the Blues so far through, what is it now, six games this season, and they see the team's struggles in the offensive zone, and it's, oh, this team can't play offense. What the hell is right? The same story, just same as last year. Like, this is the complete opposite of last season. Defensively, they have been as consistent as you can ask for in terms of the scheme that they're playing, keeping things to the outside. The high-danger shots really aren't there. Your goaltending has been outstanding with the exception of one game against the Arizona Coyotes. And offensively, it's taken some time. And the part that I think I'm most infuriated with, which six games in, I'm infuriated. Look at me go, guys. (laughs) Is the narrative that has become... Well, Craig Berube can't coach a skilled team. I I just don't understand that because he has coached a skilled team. Now, 2019, he found a way to get the best out of that team, the forecheck, the heavy play, the way they would wear teams down. But we're forgetting the year that Vladimir Tarasenko picked up 85 points. We're forgetting the year that Jordan Cairo nearly put up 40 goals. Like, it's not like he doesn't know how to coach skilled forwards. He has a he has a way that the offense is framed around, and it's winning puck battles. That doesn't mean you have to forecheck the other team and put them all on the injured list. It means you got to go in, you got to retrieve the puck, you have to have guys who support and keep the puck alive. He doesn't want one and dones. That's what Craig Bruby wants to see, and I thought we had a perfect example of it against the Calgary Flames last night. That is the calmest rant I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> that, yeah, that, was. Calm rant? that was a very yeah. calm rant, but look, I was up until like 12 o'clock with post games, so I did all my ranting on post game, <laughs> guys. Dude, what did the decibel get up to on that? Probably like 10. That? Not very, man. Actually, is this thing on? I, just, I, I get that loud when I'm talking about bands. I yeah. like, that's not even, that's not even anything. Donnie gets that loud when his food's, food's cold at dinner time. He's like, I just don't understand. Well, Donnie, I got to tell you, I'm sitting in the Dallas press box at uh, season opener night, and they're about four minutes into the game, and I get my first tweet of the season that says, this game's not looking good, JR. This is pretty sloppy. <laughs> I'm not sure about this team. It was 0-0 zero, zero still. 0-0. Zero, zero. Can we get to the 10-minute mark of the first game, please? Please, please. Let me ask you guys, what do you guys think is a big enough sample size to evaluate? Is it six games? Is it ten games? I mean, keep in mind, listen, they lost eight games in yep. a row last year, and it buried them. That was early in the season. It can happen. Right. But what's what's a big enough sample size? I mean, wouldn't you say like a, a, okay, if I want to see some numbers, I would say maybe a quarter of the way through the season. So, yeah. so what would that be, like 20, 20 games, games? 21 games. Yeah, for, for me, I, I mean, I've heard multiple people, Bernie Federko saying it, that typically it takes about two weeks to get your scheme in place if you introduce something new and try and get everything connected. Chemistry, if you got the injuries. So, I mean, two weeks in, you're at that point. I'm going to give it a little bit more than that. To me, I wanted to see the entire month of October to where I can sit there and say, okay, I understand where the defense is at. I see where the goaltender's at. Goaltender actually is probably more like December or January. But I would feel comfortable looking at a team about a month into the season and saying, you know what, I think I have an idea. Yeah, I think so too. I think through six games, you can kind of see things, trends, directions of the team where you think this team is headed. And and look, some of them are up and down, right? The offensive zone time, we've talked about that. That was better against Calgary. Flames aren't a great team, but you still have to give the Blues credit, right? Uh, The power play seems like it's been getting more into the zone, uh, setting things up, creating. So there are definitely some things that, that you question and you don't know if this team is going to be able to 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 uh, to play well this year but i think that you got it's got to be 10 games it's got to be 15 mm-hmm. games you got to get to that 20 game mark before you know what you have and the other thing i want to ask you guys and i'm interested in this is 
Do you think people are keeping in mind that this is a retool? Because I feel like Thank this, you. I feel like this <laughs> club is being evaluated as a contender. Yes. Agreed, man. Agreed. And I don't and, and and that's where my confusion and irritation starts. Because we have been told multiple times that this is a retool, that we are in essentially year two, mm-hmm. right? Of yeah. said retool, and that <clears throat> we're hoping that this could be a playoff team, but no one, none of us, zero of us have said that this is a Stanley Cup contender. We, I mean, I think all of us kind of know better, even guys like me that see the glass half full, even when the glass ain't half full. Yeah. So, so I, I just don't understand that. And also, too, another one I don't understand is the fire the coach thing, which I saw a lot yesterday, yeah. especially after they scratched Vrana. Oh, my like, God. Like, yeah. it, it just, it, and I don't understand that. And one of the things that I've learned from Jamie in doing this podcast is, okay, if you want to get rid of Chief, who, who are you going mm-hmm. to get that's better? And what has Coach Barubi done to show that he doesn't belong well, here? Well, the answer is somebody better, Donnie. You fire oh. him and you get somebody better. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you don't have to have a name. It's the same as the how do the Cardinals make trades? We just give up players. Mike Babcock doesn't have a job, well, so maybe, maybe that's and it. And then phones are getting handed over. Nobody wants are that you trying right to now. make my job tough. Yeah, right? I was gonna say. Then Jared's Sorry, got, man. No. Jared's got more pieces, but like that's. I got a great text. I think it was after Tuesday's game when they lost to Winnipeg, and the text was from somebody who said, "Look, I want this team to be great, but I understand that when Doug Armstrong put this in place, there were a couple things that needed." happen one he needed to see players kind of take the next step but he also needed to find out who the the actual players were for this new culture and if anything this year has started off in the sense of man the the fact that yeah they've they've laid an egg a couple of times and yeah the offense hasn't come out great but let's look at the areas that we were screaming from mountaintops that this team was in trouble with their defenseman. Colton Pareko looks like a legit guy who should be playing in your top pair. Making $6.5 million is a steal compared to what some guys are getting paid for. Mm-hmm. Justin Falk looks like another guy who should be in your top four. We just saw, and frankly we've seen it all season, Thomas and Kairou have showed the ability to go up against other teams' best players and at least keep them quiet on the score sheet. The only team that their top line had success against was Keller and Schmaltz, who apparently just always have the Blues number. Always. Always. But other than that, I mean, like, that's signs of progress right there. You've got a a, a prospect pool that can be starting to get a little scarier for other teams when you talk about Snuggerud and Dvorsky and a couple of these other kids. So all of this in place was what Doug Armstrong said last year of like, look, this is probably going to be something like the L.A. Kings retool, a three-year process. And the Barubi thing is just... It, it's baffling to me, especially with the Yakub Verona, because people forget like Barubi's done this. Like Barubi did this with Robert Thomas, the Stanley Cup season, where Thomas was a rookie. Now, different scenario because Verona's been around, but Thomas was a rookie and he said, look, we just want him to see the ice from a different level. They put him in the press box for a couple of games. Next up, they put him back on down on the ice. Did it to Kairou his first full season as well. This is more about them not liking how Verona's playing and saying, we need you to see what we want from you rather than, oh, you're bad. I don't like the way you play, so you're going to sit in the press box. But, but also, too, and not to interrupt you, JR, but, like, I mean, Verona, like, this was his M.O. in Detroit. That's why he's not there. In Washington. Right, right. So, right? Yeah. I mean, so this is not a new thing for the player. Definitely not a new thing with him. And, and I'm not saying that he should have been scratched last night, and I know you're not saying that. Right. But, but But I'm saying that the reaction to it yesterday – Surprised me a little bit because here's the thing. Whenever 
the coach scratches a guy. Or, you know, yesterday I put out a clip of a turnover that yeah. Verona made. And they said, well, he's not the only guy. Well, what's he supposed to scratch the entire team? <laughs> he's, he, he, he's focused on a guy that he's trying to make better. Perhaps it's a message to some other guys. Perhaps not. Perhaps something happened behind the scenes. Who knows? We don't know that. We don't yeah. know if, if Craig Bruby and the coaching staff have been sitting down with Verona the past couple of games. This is what we need from you. Then they didn't get it. And they said, hey, listen, if we don't get it, we're going to scratch it. We don't know that. And, right. and so I think that you know, there's, there's just so many things. But the reason I ask you guys the question about do you think this team's being evaluated like a contender is I think that it gets so ingrained in you, kind of like with the Cardinals too, that when you're good and competitive yeah. and in the standings for so long, that's just what you come to expect. Yeah. And, and I get it. I, to- I totally get it. But listen, do you think that Doug Armstrong wanted he, – he said, you know what, I want to build a cup contender. I'm going to make this trade for Verona. No, this is a guy <laughs> who's kind of a stopgap guy to come in and help out. Same with the Casperi Kapanen yeah. pickup. Listen, do you think he said after watching last – Last year, this is the defense that's going to win me a Stanley Cup. No, he went and tried to trade Corey Crew, and he couldn't do it. So there's just <laughs> things that you can't do. But the bottom line, the, the point that I want to make is that, look, the Blues see everything. They saw, they see that there's five guys in the first five games that aren't pulling their weight, but they can't scratch them all. So they're trying to push and prod and move guys around and do whatever they have to do. I'm not saying they're making all the right decisions, you know, throughout the course of a year. They'll admit that they might make a mistake here or two in terms of how that goes, but they're just trying to get these guys through what we all know is a retool and at the same time try to be competitive. Well, and a couple of other things with this too, going back to the Verona scratch to what JR mentioned of people saying, well, he's not the only one. So, so many people say, well, scratch Sammy Blay. He's not doing it or scratch Kevin, Kevin Hayes. Hayes. Yeah. First of all, what, what, Craig Berube did was the equivalent of scratching Sammy Blay. Like, you moved him down to the fourth line when you were giving him third-line minutes. Now, Mm -hmm. you could scratch him, but what's scratching Sammy Blay going to do? Sammy Blay has a particular set of skills, just like Liam Neeson and Taken. He hits everything. I know, you like that, Donnie. He hits everything. So, like, you sit Sammy Blay in the press box, what are you going to say to him? Sammy, we need you to forecheck more. Sammy's going to do that. Sammy's the guy that creates space. You can sit Kevin Hayes all you want, but, guys, Kevin Hayes has been in the league for 11 years. Kevin Hayes has been doing what he did so far this season, what he did in Philly, what he did in New York, what he did in Winnipeg. He possesses the puck. He's a centerman that relies on his wingers to do the hard work. He'll hold on to the puck like we saw last night with the Nick Letty goal. So your Verona's the one that, yeah, he's a one trick pony where you look at him and you say, this is our goal score. But to be the goal score, we need you to also forecheck and win puck battles. So scratching him, which by the way, Verona is new to this system. You can give him a better picture of what you're looking at rather than putting him on the fourth line or just keeping him out there. Like Jared mentioned, you're doing these coaching one-on-one sessions after every practice, after every game, and they probably said, we need you just to see what we want. And also, Alex, people say, well, scratch Kevin Hayes. Well, do people not know that he plays center and Verona plays wing? You have <laughs> guys who play certain positions that you yeah. can't just put a Hayes in the press box, and what are you going to do? Put Alexandrov in there, who he's had you know, a ton yeah. of hiccups in the early going? And the other thing is, we have to be honest here, is you know, there's contract situations. Hayes has three years left on the deal. You put him in the box, that thing could go south in a hurry, where Verona, he's an uh, unrestricted yeah. free agent to be, and the future's not as long with him. So you see, and then I don't think it's a coincidence that we saw the team play 
better last night, especially at Kevin Hayes. Yep. Look, he sees that with Verona. I don't want to be in the press box, and and you have a team playing better. So I think it was a message, and who knows if we'll see Verona in the game tonight. But uh, yeah, I was going to ask: is how do you guys? I mean, just foreshadowing a little bit, how do you think the the lineup goes tonight? Do you think that they'll do the extra defenseman again, or do you think Verona will be back in? I mean, look, like they. I guess it depends on if they feel like Verona kind of got the message. When Craig Bruby has won in the past, he sticks with the same lineup. And especially for a game that you played against Winnipeg where it didn't go your way. And then you, I mean, that was the best game they have played all season against Calgary last night. So if my gut tells me anything, it's going to be we look at it and you say, let's go 11 forwards and seven defensemen again. It gives Verona one more night to watch from the press box. Then you've got four days off, I would imagine, three days of practicing. And you go right back at it with Verona again against the Cal. Colorado Avalanche. That's what I would do too. I think it looked great last night, especially back to back. I know some of those defensemen were in the early twenties and minutes, but uh, you get the extra defenseman out yep. there. Uh, you know, I think it's one more game for Verona. Whatever message they were trying to send him, you know, I think you give him two games and and then uh, see how they play tonight yep. and, and see where it goes. So, did Bennington not get the start last night in part because they were playing Calgary and Cadre, <laughs> and Barubi was afraid that he was going to take the hatchet to him? So, it's, <laughs> it's really funny you say that, though, because if I'm not mistaken, since Cadre went to Calgary, Bennington hasn't played against the Flames with Kadri really? in the lineup. Right. I'd have to go back and look at that. I was looking at it last night because the first game that they played against Calgary last year, I remember because I interviewed the pre- and post-game host for the Flames, and he was like, oh, this is going to be a juicy one. <laughs> right. And I said, I know. And then we found out that it wasn't Bennington. Grice got the start. Now, maybe Bennington got a couple of others. I'm just forgetting. But I think this was more about getting Hofer back in after that dud against Arizona mm-hmm. than playing Bennington in this one because of Kadri. I also think you want to keep Bennington fresh. And, like, you don't play him here, you'll play him tonight against Vancouver. Then it's four days off before Colorado rather than sitting for, what, six days off from the Winnipeg game. So that's at least what I would view it as, like, keep both guys fresh and in action. And plus, like you said, it's Calgary last night, so I think that factored into it also. Absolutely. All right, so I want to ask about an NHL thing here real quick. And this is something that I genuinely have questions about, and I know that you guys will have the answers. So Uh the gentleman for the Senators (laughs) yesterday, Oh, and suspended uh, for 41 games mm-hmm. uh, for uh, gambling-related offenses. Okay. Now, from what I understand, gentlemen, he was not betting on the NHL. Correct. Not betting on the Ottawa Senators. Yes. So he, my genuine question is, why do we care? And why is it a problem? And why is this dude losing a half a season if he's betting on other sports? When, my goodness, guys, the the betting advertisements is constant and everywhere when you're watching a sporting event. I don't gamble, but I think Alex does. I don't know if you do, JR, but obviously on a team of 25 guys, there's going to be some that gamble and some that don't. And I don't... Please help me understand so this. I don't have Alex and Donnie money, so I can't gamble. But yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. have Alex and Donnie money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stop it. I yeah. gamble you know at a sporting event. Katie's like, what the hell? You had all three of our monies up, and we don't have Rivers money. That's what that is. <laughs> Amen to that. That's true. <laughs> Donnie, here's my read on it, and, and I'll give a, a couple facts. I'll give my read on it, but it's not based on any inside information. Uh, first of all, the NHL rules, players can bet on other sports. So NHL players can bet on NFL, baseball, so on and so forth. So if this is a suspension because of gambling related it's tied to the nhl now now the other facts that i'll give here is the nhlpa is not appealing this so evidently they feel that this is warranted the player came out and apologized to everybody including the pope yep i saw that so so he feels that this is warranted (laughs) yeah so 
to me, if you say, okay, everybody believes it's warranted, and B, it's related to the NHL, he might not have been betting on NHL games himself. He might not have been betting on Senator games, throwing Senator games. He may not have been doing any of that, but he could be giving inside information to betters, third-party betters about this guy's hurt, this guy's banged up, yep. hey, we're playing our backup goalie, whatever. So it could just be something where he's giving information that's tied to it. Yep. Well, that I mean, and that makes sense, too. And, and, I, and I obviously, I did not know the NHL aspect because that brings it – you know, to another level as well. But it's just, you know, we saw it in the NFL. There was a bunch of suspensions at the beginning of the year. Some of those were changed. And it just, you know, man, I mean, we're hitting people over the head with gambling every 45 seconds. So it it was just a shock to me if it wasn't the NHL and he still got that suspension. Well, I guess the, what the I mean. best part about it too is the there is a betting site that sponsors the Ottawa Senators jerseys and they wear Donnie, it on their they helmet. Were the first team to put the sticker yeah. on their helmet yeah. with hey. the, the betting. I, the part that I love and this was just all tinfoil conspiracy theory but the, the people were talking about fans on social media that uh, this was the G, the GM created a fake account that was Shane Pinto's because of the contract negotiations. Right, right. But the more you think about it it's like well this does doesn't well it does benefit Ottawa because now you either sign the contract for the bare minimum because of this, or if I'm understanding this correctly, Jr. You wait until his suspension is up because it doesn't have to be under contract. He'll serve his 41 game suspension, and you wait until this, this is done, and then you sign him to a contract. But then you'd be past the time frame of the restricted free agent, so he'd be a group two free agent, which means nobody else can put an offer sheet in for him. So basically, you either sign for the bare minimum or you're going to be Ottawa Senators' property and basically you play to what they're offering you. I bet what's going to happen. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Speculation, baby. That's well done. Yeah. Yeah. That, but that's if you think well about done. it, though, like what? Jamison Williams with the Detroit Lions – he got six games suspension for gambling. Yeah. And six out of 18 games in the regular season. I mean, that's what? Right. Almost half the, or a quarter of the season. Look at me doing quick math. No, a third of the season. Damn, this is bad. <laughs> so, for, I mean, a third of the season compared to 41 games. I mean, that's 50% of the season right there. So, I mean, yeah, it's intense. But if you're betting on the actual sport, or like JR yeah. mentioned, and, and pure speculation, if you're providing information that is understandable we're going to start seeing more of this though right i mean this is going to this so, is the, yeah. this is the beginning of this probably especially too because not only is it because the gambling is, you can see it in the, around the league now with all the sponsorship but alex you can attest to this you know i'm a little bit older here but uh, it just seems like the younger generation is way into it with the phones and and oh, yeah. in-game betting so on and so forth like i can go to a gathering you know watch the super bowl or whatever and you know, some of the guys my age, 48 years old, maybe you're betting, but oh my gosh, you look on the couch, the 23-year-olds, the 25-year-olds, which is what these sports leagues are now, uh, when we're talking about the players' ages, uh, you know, they're all over it. Yeah. I mean, they're betting the third quarter, who's going to... Oh, God, <laughs> right, yeah. right. betting who's right. going to make the next pass. Uh, just a quick message to uh, Benjamin Fandango, my oldest son, who is 23 <laughs> years old. You do not have the money to do what we're talking about right now, so wait. wait just wait until you have money, Okay. Thank you, son, Benjamin, and I love they, you very they give much. Give you fifty dollars <laughs> yeah. up front for that Stop first it. bet, but Benjamin. If you hit it, look at all the money you get. You can Dude. turn it into a hundred, and then you guys, man, you, that, that that's just not. This very sounds nice. like me at a blackjack table. Where I'm like, you know, if I sit down and I put twenty five dollars down in four bets, I can make that money back. Guys, I am so petrified to gamble. Like, I just, I don't. 
I mean, like, I have got to be a significant amount of drinks in before I am willing to part with my money that way. <laughs> because I feel as though, and this is just me in my mind, and I know that there's fun to it and all of those sorts of things, but I feel like I am taking cash out of the ATM, balling it up, and throwing it in the toilet and flushing it down the toilet. And I don't have that kind of money, man. Until you win it for the first time, Donnie. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You get that You get that $100 coming back the other way. Huh. This is fun. But, dude, I'm thinking to myself, five, a hundred bucks. Dude, that's like four records. <laughs> that's like four records that I could get. That's a whole bunch of baseball or hockey cards See, I'm I could looking get. at that as that's two boxes of formula that I can get for a baby. And yeah. man, that's, that covers me for two months. Dude, we were talking about this on the last podcast, which is just such a great turn from hockey. But those days of, and your kids are older too, just like mine, where you are where you got two in diapers or two in formula and just the money that is flying out the door. I want to do that. Dude, I want to own a diaper company. I'll be a millionaire in two friggin' weeks, man. What a racket. But then it goes from diapers and formula into baseball bats, right, when they get to the Little League? Don't tell me that, please. (laughs) I thought I got through it with the potty training. Or, dude, with with my daughter, it is... um, Okay, so she gets great grades. She's involved in 25 different things, so she doesn't have a job because I'm not sure what time of the day in which that she could work <laughs> to have a job. But but And that's fine because she's killing it, and it's great. Yeah. But it's $20 here, yeah. $20 there, $20 <laughs> here. And then you're, oh, we're going to this field trip, or then we're going to go out of town for this thingamajigger. And I just, uh, I don't make enough money for yeah. this. I, 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 I don't. I, I don't. I don't. And then, like, I think my daughter believes that there is legitimately a money trip and that we just go in the backyard. All right, here you go, kiddo. Man. If you knew where that bunny tree was, let me know, because I'd like to plant it in my backyard. Well, well, I mean, we'll do some kind of share situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or we just get you involved with sports betting, Donnie, and the next thing you know, you're a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah, because that's how, exactly how it would happen. Is this Vancouver team they're playing tonight good? I, I honestly don't know. I, I personally feel like they're the they're a better team than what they were last year, and they look they're going to be a very similar team to you because Rick Tockett's the head coach. Yep, yep. Well, uh, keep in mind, we got to call him what Randy Kirker calls him, Van Blanking Coover, right? Van Blanking Coover. <laughs> He's got that going. Is that because he had to watch them play in the bubble at 930 all the time? Right. Because that was th- that moment I called them the Van Blanking Coover. Yeah. No, I think Rick Tockett's got them going in the right direction. They've got, obviously got some great players with uh, Pedersen, Quinn Hughes. Uh, I think they're on the upswing. Yeah. Uh, you know, Blue should play a competitive game against them. You know, as a reporter, Alex, I don't know if you've been to Vancouver, but, you know, the end of this Western Canadian trip, uh, you played Winnipeg, and typically you play Edmonton when you're up there too, not on this trip. But, uh, you know, it's it's last game of the trip, back-to-back in Vancouver. Uh, I think that they can be hard games. Over the years they have been hard games regardless of what, what kind of team the Canucks have. Well, yeah. and the, the part with this too is, and I said this on post game last night, like, Calgary, although Calgary's got fast players, but Calgary and Pittsburgh, the teams that you kind of showed your best at, Pittsburgh is a very slow team. Calgary's a slower team, but they've got fast players. Vancouver's fast. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, with Pedersen and with Besser, with Quinn Hughes, you've got JT Miller. Like, you've got some guys that can get up the ice. And what have we seen the Blues struggle with so far this season? Teams like Arizona, teams like Seattle, teams like um, the Winnipeg Jets. Like, those fast teams can cause some fits for the Blues. So that's why, at least for me, you're going to get a really good idea how your offense looks against a Vancouver Canucks team because do you have that puck support tonight that you showed against the Calgary Flames? Have you guys ever heard? Heard of something called Five Nights at Freddy's? That's the uh, that's the horror film that just came out, correct? 
So, yes. So, a bunch of years ago, this started as some kind of YouTube, internet, something or the other. All right? About jump scares or something. Okay? <laughs> Always I don't is know. great. I don't know. So, anyway, today is my youngest son, Dexter's 14th birthday. Oh, wow. All right. oh, happy happy birthday. birthday, Dexter. He has been looking forward to this movie coming out for, I mean, literally years at this point. <laughs> Not only is it out, but it's out on his birthday. Oh, oh goodness. Yeah. So, tonight, we are going to the Creevecore B&B or Creevecore, whatever the nice movie theater is, mm-hmm. uh, 9 o'clock. Is movie nice. time. So I will see virtually none of the uh, Canucks and Blues tonight. And also, I have a literally almost no idea what I'm getting into with this movie, instead, except that it's supposed to be like creepy and a little bit scary. And I hate those kinds oh, of movies. Okay. I'm glad you explained it though. Five Nights at Freddy's. I thought that was me going to dinner Monday through Friday at the, right up there in Lindbergh. I love that place, man. <laughs> Give me that chili cheese dog all day. So, uh, you, so you guys are going to have to uh, report back on the. Are you uh, taking- Dexter to the casino after? Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to show Dexter FanDuel on the phone afterwards? Dude, he would love the casino life. That would be so, dude, that would be so up his alley. I could picture Dexter just sitting at those slot machines, just be like, Dad, another five. Dad. Dude, you know what's crazy, though? What's crazy? And this is, this is, that doesn't have anything to do with anything, really. But we were taking a quick road trip uh, to Jeff City a few weekends ago. Uh, We had to go to a wedding there, and we stopped at this gas station somewhere in between here and there. And there were a multitude of gaming machines with people gaming and their kids in the oh empty seats God. next to them. What? Smoking Dude, cigarettes, too? No, th- that they weren't. But I'm just like, there's like one kid propped up at this at this machine looking at the iPad while the parent is over there like doing the thing. And I was just like, this this is not great. I feel like I need to call Child Protective <laughs> Services in that situation. Like, this is not cool. Like, and also, too, like, th- if you're going to make the kids sit there and watch you do that, there is a slushy machine less than 10 feet away. Get the kid no. a goddamn slushy. No, get him a hot coffee and let him get let him get at it. <laughs> Here, so... kid. Here, kid. Try coffee. The weird things you see at mid-Missouri gas stations, man. <laughs> Alex, that's how you do a rant. That's that is true. And there, the decibel level was high. Yeah. You saw the hands. People can't see it because we're on the radio. But the hands were moving. Yeah, I got to get better at my rants. Well, you know, the thing, too, is is that eventually they want us to do this on YouTube. You know oh, what well I mean? They they, 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 so they'll be able to see me get yeah. incredibly I love that. Mad. And you know what we really should have done is that we should have hit record when I started talking about the Bills game last night. <laughs> yeah, that was a rant. <laughs> but, but, but then I would have to edit a lot because yeah, I true. said a lot of bad words. How much uh, time before we do the YouTube, uh, get that going because I got to get in shape here. Yeah. yeah you got a couple I, I months, man. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But knows I, is you'll have to go through the holidays, though. Dude, <laughs> and let me tell you something. Like, they, and it's just fine. I, I want to grow with however we need to grow, period. I just hate with every fiber of my soul looking at myself. <laughs> I hate it. And it's not like I, like, have bad self-esteem or anything like that. I got a hot wife. Everything's great. But, like, I just don't like looking at myself. Like, at all. You guys, fine. Me, no thanks. Man, I'm the opposite. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm say, you guys me, I got mirrors everywhere in my bedroom. Yeah. Just be like, look at, look at that right there. All right, so uh, we will reconvene this podcast next week, and we'll knock out a couple of episodes of the Last Minute Blues podcast. Doing more of these? <laughs> well, well, you yeah. are not contractually <laughs> bound to anything, yeah, you're, Mr. You're Mr. Back, Rutherford. JR. All right, so for our buddies, Jeff Burton and Jamie Rivers, uh, we've got uh, Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic, Alex Ferrari, 
Rosario from 101 ESPN. Donnie Fandango, thank you very much for listening to the Last Minute Blues Podcast. And as always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.